Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast. This podcast is hosted by thought leaders and experts. They have all been handpicked and invited to contribute because of their knowledge and valuable insight within the areas of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle. Whether you're starting a business, looking for personal growth, or if you're just here to learn something new, you will get actionable advice from world-class award-winning coaches, experts, and industry leaders from over 50 countries across six continents. If you like what you hear, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. You can also visit us at brainsmagazine.com for quality articles, interviews, and daily inspiration. With that said, let's welcome today's podcast host. Today in the confessional, I am really excited to be chatting with a lovely human. Her name is Pia Antico. But before we go on, I will say that this particular episode, there is a trigger warning of domestic violence. If this subject matter makes you uncomfortable or it is triggering, please feel free to turn off now or come back at a time that suits you better. So Pia Antico is a wonderful person. She has survived relationships involving domestic violence now is standing in her own power living an authentic life and mentoring women who are over the age of 40 who are dealing with feeling the effects of being in an empty nest if you like um, but what I love the most is Pia is the founder of the Essential Awakening Mentoring Program and she actually runs a program called Crone Life Joy Reboot and I love that she's embracing terms like crone and making it more powerful for women rather than for it to be a slur. So, you know, I'm all about that. Pia is just lovely, but I really love that she is mentoring and supporting and helping women who are 40 and over to live their very best life. Please welcome to the podcast, the lovely Pia Antico. Hello and welcome to the confessional, Pia. How are Hello. you? Thank you for having me. And thank you, good girl confessional listeners out there. Oh, it's so exciting to have you. And congratulations to you because your beautiful new book, there we have it. She's holding it up. Sacred Surrender has been launched and it's just come out in paperback as well. It has. All on Amazon, Amazon goodness, so jump in there. And I will say that... Uh, Proceeds from the sale of Sacred Surrender, Courageous Visionaries Embracing and Leading in Their Diversity. Um, proceeds from the sale go to two charities that my publisher and co-authors uh, selected. One is one was mine that I, I, I absolutely love here in Australia, Women's Community Shelters. So it's a national organisation that helps women and children leave domestic violence. They go into communities and educate communities, raise awareness and help them create safe spaces and emergency uh, residential housing. They also lobby the government, which we all know needs to be done, being that... Uh, Funding for domestic violence uh, resources keeps being uh, cut, so they're on the back. They're getting the government on the back foot to jump in and 
correct that. So this is a really important um, organisation that I love, and they're based in Surrey Hills in New South Wales. So you'll be helping women. If you jump in and grab this to help yourself transform, you'll be helping other women transform their lives as well. So please jump in and buy the book. Oh, thank you, Pear. And at the end of this podcast, we will definitely put in our show notes all of the links where people can go and and buy the book and know more about you. So we'll definitely be putting those links in. So it's such a it's such a beautiful project, this your beautiful new book. So tell us how it came about and and what inspired you to go down that path. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I, um, Mary uh, Sullivan Gooden is Divine Destiny Publishing and I started this year being my 50th birthday year and I started at the beginning of the year going, I really want to get into write, uh, being in another co-authored uh, project and suddenly Mary jumps into my uh, messaging in uh, Facebook with the slated cover of the book and I just went gosh I really love that roots the, the wonderful big strong roots and and reaching out and, and like we reach out into the world and I just went yes and sacred surrender to me has been the journey that I've been on very much for the last 10 years from entering 40, um, uh, entering 40 kicking and screaming. I I think I I didn't realise my internalised ageism uh, was alive and well until I was 39 and heading into 40 thinking that uh, I'd missed the boat, uh, having to maybe try and make up for lost time in my 20s and 30s, uh, having married abusive husband number one, having had a major head injury um, and quite a a disturbance in the flow of life. And so I was thinking I've got to, you know, I've got to try and catch up uh, on what I missed out on and uh, unfortunately got remarried a second time to a younger guy. And that was not the most uh, sensible uh, decision, it turned out, except that it pivoted me to where I am now, realising that there's nothing to fear getting older. And that's just, that's the misogyny, that's the patriarchy, that's the ageism, uh, that that messaging that we're just told from the get-go that we have to remain youthful looking and strong in the body and skinny and all that sort of stuff in order to be relevant. Um, and so my jumping into this book was all about telling that story from the last 10 years uh, of the, the lessons learned uh, so that I could actually finally step into being 50 with excitement and joy and enthusiasm knowing that everything's looking up from here on in um i love that you share your story with such bravery because you have as you said been through quite a lot i find it extraordinary how many women fear turning 40 they fear and as you say it is exactly as you say internalized ageism but we are fed these messages from a very young age um that youth is beauty and we you know we we don't honor 
we don't honour the, you know, women as they are older become goddesses, but we don't honour it at all. Oh, no, exactly. And I mean, throw in that, that yes, uh, that the relevancy, I guess, for me of marrying a younger guy, um, first husband was older than me, second one was younger than me. But the younger one, the pitfall of that was then this urgency to try and pop another child, because I, I do have a beautiful daughter, she's 25, she's married, she's out in the world. And thankfully, she's had the grace in, in, in her um uh, development uh, to forgive me for my imperfect mothering and we have a beautiful relationship now with so much humility that I can say that she was able uh, to courageously set things aside and, and uh, accept me as I am and, and that enabled me to accept her as the woman that she is uh, and no longer feel that mothering need to I don't know, protect and control or whatever to, to stop them from making mistakes and all that stuff that we get caught up in. But, yeah, marrying the younger guy set me off on the path of, um, yeah, that whole fertility treatment, feeling like I had to pop out more children in order to make the marriage stable. Um, and I did get pregnant twice and I had two miscarriages and that was... Um, Gosh, that was in the space of two two miscarriages in in less than three years of that marriage, um, only a few years ago. So I'm yeah, I'm fifty. I think the, that last miscarriage I was forty four, and yeah, that definitely was the basis of that was this this desire that the only relevance of me in a marriage to a younger man was if I could produce children and do all that. And if I couldn't, then... Now, partly that was messaging that I was being told as well, but ignoring that that's what they're saying, I was believing it and telling myself that that was the truth and making some very poor decisions for my own well-being as a result. Yeah. And how brave and brilliant, though, for you to be able to stand outside of yourself and look at the situation and, and, and then make decisions that are healthy and best for you, for you. Thank you. Look, it's, and I'm telling you, it is scary. I, I, I turned my life upside down and left my country and sold everything I had because I moved overseas to marry this man. And, and so to come back out of that... Um, I came, I returned back to, to Australia with a suitcase and the clothes on my back. I had nothing and I was not well. Um, that was in 2016. So, yeah, look, it's never too late to, it's never too late to, to turn, turn back on a path that you've started walking down if you find that it is not the right path. Um, yeah, great hindsight, wonderful to avoid these things in the first place, but we don't, we can't sometimes, we, we, we go down paths that are not beneficial, so there's no point flogging yourself about that, but when you do finally listen to that inner voice say, look, this isn't right, everything does open up for you to get back in alignment and get back to where a life will be more beneficial for you. It may look a bit difficult it will definitely look scary um but that's okay it will work out in the end yeah yeah and, and i mean life is life is not 
you know, I'm not making millions yet in my new business or anything like that. Things still on the outer can be uh, maybe not the most secure, but I'm a hell of a lot better now than I was before. So one step at a time. Absolutely, one step at a time. And, and yeah. you know, again, I really want to say this because, you know, when guests come on The Good Girl Confessional and they talk about their personal journeys with such honesty, um, there is something really beautiful and magical that happens because it reaches other women who have perhaps are in a situation that you are now out of. So you touched briefly before on um, your first marriage um, and being finding yourself in an abusive relationship. Um, and, you know, thank you for sharing that story. So how eventually, I mean, I guess for other women who are listening who are currently in that situation and not really seeing a light, how, what, what is the decide, what was the decide for you? And I know for every woman it's very different. Look, it's very, it is very different and I think... It's not an intellectual thing, and I, I, we've been, again, it's part of this patriarchy that we've been raised in where we are told that everything is thinking, logic, intellectual. That is not the divine feminine power. Ours is inner wisdom. Ours is that gut feeling, that inclination, that voice that arises in uh, within that we listen to, that we can hear when we... Gently tell this to shut up, up here in the head. Yeah, so for those of you who are going to listen to this in a podcast, I'm pointing to my head. <laughs> you watching this on video. It's not the head. It's not the head game. And yeah. the problem with the head game is the story in our head tends to be the yeah, but to <laughs> ignore that deep inner wisdom. Um, and look, every, yeah, every problem I've ever had in my life has generally been um, because I've, I've told myself that what I'm feeling, my inclination, my intuition, it must be wrong, I can't be right, you know, I, what about what other people think or do or what have you, and there you start walking into situations that are not for your benefit. Again, that's part of being human. Sometimes we're in our wisdom, sometimes we're not, so there's absolutely no need to um, overthink anything or get annoyed at yourself if you go down a path of listening to the story in your head and not your inner wisdom. So for me, um, it took a while. I mean, I, in that first marriage, um, I was 22, 23 when I got married. I finally was able to leave that marriage um, I, when I was 33. Um, I was run over at high speed coming home from work at the age of 28, um, which put me in a coma and I had major recovery, head injury recovery from that. And unfortunately, I had actually gotten rid of him three weeks before that accident happened but I hadn't told my family and so when he was turning up to the hospital uh, even though he was not behaving properly according to what my, my mum later tells me because um, I don't have any memory of it all but um, she, she's just like god if I knew <laughs> I would have sent him packing yeah. um, 
So unfortunately, I had another six years with him with a major head injury that wasn't being treated properly and him gaslighting and violent and all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, what finally, for me, that time, what finally enabled me to get out was I was I was given a compensation because it was work um, because it was a third party I was, he was I was run over so that compensation money I was able to finally after years of living in in poverty um, to be able to go away I was able to go on a, on, a, on a holiday my my daughter stayed with my my mum I went away for um, three or four weeks I went to Spain and I went on a, a retreat a Buddhist retreat. And while I was away, I finally had a moment to re- to realise that other people around me were not getting angry at me. Other people around me weren't saying stuff. Like, everyone else was normal with me. So so I, it was just such a... And, and the realisation I could be in another country, I could do stuff, I could be around, and that I just wasn't in a state of panic. And when the and when the when I was coming close to having to leave and come back, um, I, I had yeah I was having such a meltdown really about having to come back and then finally the realization that I need to do something and so when I got back to Australia he was thankfully himself he was <laughs> dirty that I'd gone overseas so expected me to pay for him to go to Ireland I sent him to Ireland. And while I sent him to Ireland, I packed up my life for my daughter and my myself, and we left. Yeah. So um, not everyone maybe has those opportunities to, to quite like that. But uh, one thing that's really important that I realised is what held me back from getting the help that I needed is because I had a whole story in my head that the, those that love me would say, like, I told you so, or... The shame and the, the shame and the guilt, you know, um, that I was carrying, that I thought that other people would think less of me. Believe me, your loved ones won't think less of you. And if someone does, they're not worth being in your life. But the people that really care for you will not throw it back in your face and they will jump to help you the minute you put your hand up. And um, um, and so wonderful that, as you say, that the proceeds of this beautiful book that you you yes. have written are going to the women's community shelter. And a very good friend of mine is actually a volunteer with the Parramatta Women's Shelter. Um, yeah, and they do incredible work. But for anyone listening out there as well, as you say, you may not have the finances or or anyone really, or even family members who can help. But there is help out there. There are. There are resources, and we'll put up some links as well to Parramatta Women's Shelter, but we have listeners really um, everywhere, all over the world. And so I guess what I would say to anyone is please, 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 you know, um, Google, look up. There will be resources wherever you are. There will will be help. Um, Yes, absolutely. Such a difficult journey. No, it is. I mean, I do feel very, I mean, I will say unusual in the way that it all sort of happened and I've very much have always, um, I feel when I look back in leaving that uh, and then leaving the second abusive marriage uh, in a completely different country with, I mean, you know, that it could have gone very, very wrong. On both circumstances, they could have gone very, very wrong, but I do 
fundamentally believe that we we are in a universe that is benevolent and we have protection around us uh, because I do feel that I was carried from both those um, marriages when the time came that, yeah, definitely felt like I was protected in some way because it could have gone a whole lot wrong than it did. So I feel very blessed that I'm out of both. And and um, and what a journey you've had since, because um, obviously, like uh, you know, I think what I'm really intrigued by is that you've gone on, and I love this. You've gone on to become a Crone Life Joy Reboot Coach and Mentor. Now I love that. So tell us all about this beautiful Crone Life Joy Reboot, because and reclaiming the word Crone, which I oh, right, which I love. So important, and I, 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 you know, when I first started uh, with Essential Awakening Mentoring as my business, when I first started with um, toying with, do I use the term crone? Because some women, actually, they've been told the centuries-long uh, erasure or, or a disparaging use of the word crone. Thanks, Disney, for also. Um, Continuing that idea of the warty old evil witch who's eating young children and murdering young maidens, um, that, that, yeah, a lot of like, that's offensive. No, crone <laughs> is crowning. Crone is the crowning stage of womanhood. Uh, equally, hag is holy one. And so it's absolutely important for us to realize that, um, this crone stage, the, the, penultimate stage of womanhood uh, and the, the wisdom getting. It's our time. It's our time now to finally put the decades of caregiving behind us and put and start finally caring for ourselves, you know, and that out of focus on achievement and uh, and it's not to say that you, you that you, you don't still do out in the world. You, you do and you can keep building and as many empires and all the rest of it as you want but it's understanding that it's not from it's not from a, a, a head game level of, of logic and, and and abstract theoretical thinking it's from your inner wisdom it's from your heart's desire and when you flow with that then you don't have to kind of worry as much about the how of it all because you're following the deep why of it all and the how takes care of itself. And the crone is all about joy. The crone is the unapologetic time of our life where we get to be authentic and real and age disgracefully and do whatever it is that we want to do in a carefree kind of manner. And so that's why it's important to me to promote the crone. Yeah. I really love that. And um, and I, what I really love too is exactly what you just said, aging disgracefully. Um, yes. <laughs> None of this doing, doing what they want us to do and looking a certain way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. And I think we've been doing that for so many years. You know, certainly our generation has been doing it for so yes. many years that it becomes second nature. This, you know, 
you know, how we wear our hair and do we wear makeup and what clothes we wear. Every yeah. every choice that we what career am I going to do? Who I take care yes. of? All of those things are so automatic. I mean, I think automatically programmed into us from such a young age. So oh, sh- I, I love your wisdom. So share with us how do women start to get out from underneath that and start to find themselves beyond being a carer. Um, and, and, and please, no, and, and I will say right now, there is no, um, I don't ever want this to come across as saying, well, caring's the wrong way to go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I do believe that the most miraculous part of my life was my daughter. And in the imperfect way that I showed up as a woman and a mother and, and, and yet have being able to build a beautiful relationship with her and, and, Similarly, the relationships, we are social beings, so the relationships we have in our lives with our parents, our siblings, our friends, our, those things are important. It's not saying that um, anything to do with caregiving is um, less than, but it's understanding that the place that we we care from is that when we are tuned into our own inner wisdom, our own reservoir of um, well-being and resilience as opposed to caring because we think we should or it has to look a certain way or that kind of stuff, all that story we tell ourselves that then gets wrapped up into expectations of what that relationship is meant to be like and how they're meant to fulfil it and how I am. And we we get into a whole lot of thinking about stuff. And so in the end, it's not a relationship of unconditional love but conditional expectations and that's where we end up going down a whole rabbit hole of dissatisfaction with ourselves and other people. But if we show up in the world in our true, unique, higher self-wisdom in the present moment and we're not worried about the future and we're not um, reliving the past in our current thinking, then what happens is we get to show up in caring roles in a state of true care because it's not tied to expectations and conditions of how we're meant to be or they're meant to be. And we then truly get to connect with the people in our lives, however they show up. And and that's a beautiful way to, to be able to be in the world. And they can be however they are in that moment. And we're not telling ourselves a whole big story about it. And so I, I find that has made my life a lot easier. And in some ways, um, it has meant that I'm you're more forgiving and more compassionate for, the, for people when they are not aligned with their wisdom in that moment. But you're also compassionate and forgiving with yourself. And you also realise that you can remove yourself from interactions that are not beneficial without demonising them and demonising yourself and getting caught in a whole lot of thinking. It's just a lot easier to flow through the through the world when you're with your, in your wisdom, and I love that. Oh, absolutely. And and I think what's really beautiful about that is that you, then you start to, um, you know, when, when you're aligned with your 
own true self, your own values, and you start to live a life that's a lot more authentic, I think. And, you know, it's taken me a lot of years, I think, personally, to get into that space as well. And But what came with that was, for the first time in my life, the ability to set boundaries um, yes. for myself because I used to think in doing so that was a selfish act. Um, now what I realise is, you know, that in setting boundaries, I've kind of set myself free a little bit. It means that, you know, as you say, I turn up and care for my children, for my friends, for family, whomever it may be, um, and I do so really from a genuine place of love yes. and care because I because that's what I want to do it. I, you know, it's not I have to do it; it's I want to do it. Exactly, <clears throat> and it's actually very interesting because you mentioned boundary setting. I see a lot of um, you know talk and webinars and articles and you know in in this self help and and the, like space that we're in. Um, and, and I often realise now that the way that boundary setting has been uh, talked about is kind of the wrong way around. They talk about <clears throat> enforcing boundaries on other people because it's based on a belief that it's the outside world and other people that are causing your feelings. And if they're causing yucky feelings, then, of course, you want to stop that from happening. So that requires you then the logic then to uh, make the world behave the way you want it to um, that's not how it works no one can make you feel anything except that you think it uh, it's your thinking in the moment that's creating your feelings and when you realize that is wisdom not just as an intellectual thing what opens up is that the un a newer understanding of what boundary setting is. It's not about enforcing anything on anybody else because it doesn't matter what other people are doing or not doing because that's their, that's them. It's, it's, not, it's not impacting you unless you tell yourself that it is. Um, but rather, it's being able to be showing up for yourself in a way that's uh, beneficial for you. And it takes, yeah, it takes all that should and must and all, all, those, all that thinking that creates our suffering. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and, and I think that that was a big lesson that I learned. And, yeah. you know, in setting boundaries for myself, um, yeah. I'm not imposing those boundaries on other people. But, I, you know, for me it's like, well, um, that I did have to start to learn to care for myself. And yes. right, and, and to selfish. nurture myself, and yep. right, but I do think a lot of women see that almost as a huge act of defiance. And I've had this conversation so many times. Yes. It's almost like a radical act of defiance to say I'm actually in. I need to care about myself, <laughs> nurture myself, and take time out for myself. Oh, but it is actually. I mean, in the in our way, our, our society is structured. Um, not and, and it's not just what we've learnt from childhood. This has been uh, a setup for centuries, millennia. Really, we're, we're pretty much going back to the beginning of human history that we understand it as, um, where women have been taught and instructed that their role is to put everyone else first and they get the last morsel on the plate and all that sort of kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there is messaging out there, but it's just messaging and it's not the truth. It's, 
it's a, it's messaging that befits a, a particular structure, a social structure and system. Um, but we don't have to. We don't have to believe it's the case just because someone said it. Well, that's true, but I do think there's this massive movement going on at the moment for women uh, over 40, over 50, over 60, over 70. This is a, it's kind of like a tidal wave um, that is happening right now. And I think, you know, the lovely, I recently spoke with the lovely Jane Caro, but she really put it best when she said, we are standing in our power now. Yes. Right, as a yes. collective. As a collective. Absolutely. It is a beautiful time. Uh, one of my uh, mentors um, is uh, Jean Shinola Bolin, um, and, and she is the author of uh, Crohn's Don't Wine. And I, I ran in my, in my group. I, I we we did her book and and discussed it within my Awaken the Joy Within framework. We discussed her book and about Crohn's stepping into their power. And she herself says that yeah, we are at a particular point in history thanks to technology and the ability to uh, connect uh, across the globe in an easier way that um, and share information and support that yes we are at a time in history now where women are was well, kind of the renaissance of, of, of um, divine feminine power the divine feminine power that was there pre-christianity and that got, got stamped out is that Ten times, <clears throat> because we can actually connect across the globe that our foremothers pre-technology uh, could not. But um, it's a very important, very important time because there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that much of the mayhem in our uh, world uh, from communities, politics, ec economics, environment is in fact... Um, the, the, the toxic masculinity uh, and men and women both need to tap into the wise woman energy that is within us all and I, and I did actually want to sort of say very quickly in this yes uh, the crone time and the, and the wise woman time obviously has uh, a direct connection to um, cisgendered women and wombs and reproductive health and all the rest of it. Absolutely it does. But it's not only connected to that. Men, women, persons identifying as women, we all have uh, the, the crone energy, the mother energy, the child energy, we, the masculine, divine masculine. We all come equipped with these archetypal energies uh, and how, and we can all show up in our lives with them. So it's not just relevant to uh, cisgendered women who have wombs. No, I love that. I love that because one of the things too that I often mention uh, in this podcast because you know it's easy to you know some women are not mothers. Some women choose no. not to be or cannot be or will never be. But yes. but that femme energy exists within us all, men and women. Um, and I think that's a really powerful and important. But just as just it as is. like powerful masculine energy lives within us as women as well. Yes, absolutely. And 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 I think that one of the things that I find really quite um, profound actually is that the womb center is the is the sacral chakra. It is the um, so in, in the 
Eastern, uh, Eastern Ayurvedic Buddhist kind of mindset. The, the sacral uh, chakra is the energy point in our body that is for divine creativity. And so the fact that we get into the menopausal years and are told that, well, because we can't, for those of us who have wombs and could and want all that sort of stuff, can't produce uh, children anymore, that that creative space is now dried up and barren and shriveled. And it's not. Uh, and it never was for those who couldn't and didn't and all the rest of it. That, that centre is our engine room for creativity, for divine creativity, and it has really very little to do with popping out humans. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, it's in fact our time that we get to now focus that uh, our attention in that space um, for the creation of our dreams and our hopes and other other ways of bringing into the world in other forms. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And on, a side note, on a side note, I'll say I don't think that there was any um, – I think it's actually quite profoundly connected, the fact that we have this diet, weight loss, diet culture aimed at women. It feels like now that it was bad enough when we were young, now they're telling us that we have to have rock-hard abs into our 80s as well now, apparently. That's – Meant to be successful aging, I find it quite bizarre. But um, but the fact that it's all focused on that region and it's either starving it or making it go like hard and not supple and not flexible and and uh, fecund, you know, fertile with uh, the juices of our creativity. And I just, I, it's all quite clear to me that it's all aimed at not of not having us be in our power oh absolutely absolutely and i think there's a whole construct around keeping women in their place right um and you're right the diet industry is just one of them um but this yeah. constant you will never be enough it doesn't matter what you strive for you'll no. never be enough you will not be perfect you won't be this you, won't be, you know this whole um i'm loving at the moment this kind of pushback from younger women who, which i think this yeah. is so brilliant for finally for taking it up yeah, right definitely. right yeah. that these younger women are saying well I, you know i don't care i mean i've met younger women who are brilliant who say yeah. i'm fat they own the word they don't oh, see yeah. it as a negative they dress yeah. in whatever they want like, regardless of their it. body type <laughs> tiktok's uh, the body positivity movement in tiktok it's absolutely beautiful. is it's so beautiful, beautiful. and yeah. you're right these lovely young women that are just then, then feeding back to us and say, yeah, this is so important as a crone. It's not about authority, like a mask, like toxic masculinity, uh, authority, like I'm on top. And no, it's about opening up to the wisdom because we all have this wisdom. And so being humble to seeing that in our younger women, it's not about me telling them what to do, it's about me being inspired by them, us being inspired and having a, a conversation because yeah they're doing they're doing stuff now and talking talking such truth to the world that we need to uh, really listen 
Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I love that. And that then they're open to listening to the wisdom of older women, you know, for it used to be, oh, whatever, you've got nothing to say to me, you're too old, whatever. I think that has really flipped as well. And and that's lovely. But I do think it's because, you know, we're so much more open to what is going on out in the world. Partly that is because, you know, that's a you know it is a generation who's grown up with information access to technology all of it yeah yeah and we've taught right and we've taught these younger generation you know um to question everything and now what we're seeing is some of the beautiful parts of them coming out and questioning so they're questioning the diet industry they're questioning toxic masculinity and the patriarchy in different ways than we've been fighting you know forever um But I think I wish I'd had that courage and that strength or even that knowledge um, about body positivity when I was a teenager and when I was growing up. Same, same, same. No, I look at, I mean, that's everything that you're just saying. I was was thinking of my beautiful daughter and what she's doing in her uh, in her work, in her field, and and her courage as she navigates the world as a young woman, challenging all that. So uh, I, I, I definitely raised her as an anarchist lefty, uh, <laughs> so carrying that mantle, which is great. But then she's adding to it and informing me. I mean, I thank her for. I, I've, I've discussed with her the. How, how to show up in this space and the divine feminine energy without being um, um, excluding all, like understanding what gender really is and understanding sexuality and gender and how they are different and not excluding people because of the, the language we're using. Uh, that's all thanks to her and, and her teaching me. This is exactly as you're saying, and I love that so much. Uh, and because we're willing to listen, you're right. When we're, when we're in our own wisdom and not feeling like we have to prove anything, then we're open in the moment to hear uh, the stories of others and, and learn from them. And then that invites them to listen to us. And that's how it works. Absolutely, absolutely. And and honestly, I just, I look at, seriously, as you say, like this whole TikTok movement is amazing. I know I there's it. some people that go, oh, it's We're ridiculous. still trying to figure out how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I don't think I'm ever going to be a TikTok star, but <laughs> I do, but I, I love, like, you know, people go, oh, it's ridiculous or whatever. There's two things that I love about TikTok. One is that it is highly entertaining, but the other yes. thing about it is it is just a new platform for people to share their truth, their wisdom, um, their excitement, their joy in the world, um, to talk about discrimination, to talk about all these things. Um, I think it's it's so brilliant to see, as I said, the younger generation embrace it, but not just the younger generation. Like, there are some extraordinary women in their 40s, 50s, 60s doing massively great things across TikTok. Love it. Uh, absolutely. Look, what you choose to look at is what's going to be curated for you. So my TikTok feed is uh, LGBTQI uh, because I totally acknowledge that along my journey along the way um, that uh, I definitely identify as, as a, what they now have lovingly calling late blooming. I, I do definitely uh, identify as queer. Um, I'm happily single and not going anywhere at this point to anyone, but I do dare say that when I do feel like 
Having uh, a partnered relationship again, um, most likely it won't be with a man. <laughs> and all the power to you. And that's another brilliant thing that you were right. How great. But I love so I Yes, I was talking to another a friend um, not too long ago who happens to be a late blooming queer woman. And yes. it's really such a fascinating area um, because I wonder, this is just me thinking, but I do wonder sometimes how many people are out there actually um, still in total denial of their actual authentic self? Um, Well, a lot. And I think, again, it all ties back into our uh, misogynistic, patriarchal uh, reading of, um, you know, uh, in inverted commas, middle-aged white men, um, history giving uh, and telling uh, of what, what gender actually is and what sexuality actually is. And... Yes, it's a, it's a, well, I don't want to say complex, but it's a multifaceted uh, phenomena. That, I mean, yes, we have biology, but then we we have chromosomal differences that can happen. We can have hormonal differences that happen. Uh, is it just simply because we have a vagina and a womb that that makes us a woman? Well, we've already established that some women, some women, that are considering themselves, they're happy in their body as a woman, they feel aligned with that, but their womb didn't work. Does that make them any less of a woman? No, it doesn't. No, and, of course, we have we have beautiful women out there who are, were, you know, assigned a different gender at birth yeah, and they don't even right. have a womb, but they're still women. And if you want to go down the biology road, well, the minute you start playing with hormones, the hormones have... Um, such a transformative effect on the body that, well, so, I mean, if so, just thinking like if people are saying, well, it's all biology, well, we can tweak biology. Absolutely. So if it is just biology, mm, I don't think so. I think there's got to be more to it than just biology. Um, And, yeah, it's just so fabulous to realise. And so when you start going down that rabbit hole and you realise probably that the truth is that, our concept of self and attraction and gender and sexuality and all the rest of it um, is actually quite fluid. And, yeah, I'd say a lot of women probably have been um, because we are just enforced that there's only one way to go and it's to look after men and be attracted to I actually think most women probably aren't all that attracted to men. Or if they are, it's slightly grudgingly. Um, yeah, no, and I look back over my life and I realise... And, and, and we should put it... ...and I probably was always a, had an attraction to, you know, uh, I look at the, 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 the women that I was attracted to, like celebrity women in, in my life, like Katie Lang and, and comes to mind and Annie Lennox is, um, comes to mind and... I, because I didn't have the messaging that that was something attract, like attraction as in sexual attraction, it was more wrapped up as being admiration or something. And I'd say a lot of us probably have uh, mislabeled maybe what our inclinations were Um because we need, we know, we're told to to do it a certain way, to to fit in in a certain way, and um, coming into middle age, you decide 
well, hang on. Is, <laughs> everything's up for grabs now. What's real for me? And that, there, there it is. I, I, what is real for me? So I will, let's yeah. just, I'll put this out there as well. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being straight either for our straight listeners. No, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I just want to, I, I think, you know, I sometimes I, I, get, I get so passionate about certain conversations and I think someone will say. <laughs> no, it is, it's actual authenticity that, and there is a way right, and that's, of that's a thing. being in a beautiful yeah. straight relationship that, um, is done beautifully, um, and can be very nurturing and very wonderful and all the rest of it um so yeah please don't think about that <laughs> no you, you, you didn't say that at all but i just i, I, I thought i bet it you didn't say, you didn't say it i i just thought <laughs> oh, i'll interject here because someone is likely to say uh but i yeah here's the thing about yes. right about here's the thing about gender what right, <laughs> right. What is your, yeah what is your authentic self what is right. absolutely you? And you're allowed to contemplate and, and, and that and it's allowed to change. I guess the main point of all this is we are not, nothing is written in stone. We might be told it is, but it isn't. Life is dynamic. The universe is dynamic. Our emotion, our thoughts come in, our emotions arise. Everything is in movement and flux and we do not have to be the same person that we were even a second ago. And I love not, that. And that's not, and you're not fickled um, or anything like that if you change your mind and decide something isn't for you anymore. Yep. And I think that's... Ahead. And I think that's true of everything in life, you know, sexuality, relationships, what we do for a living, correct, is a big one. And I'm loving this kind of very much what I, what I see at, you know, WB40 and also with the Good Girl Confessional and, and I'm, you know, very, very lucky to be co-hosting a second podcast now called Alex Cecile, which is a lot of fun. Um, Oh, it's very, it's just a lot of fun, that one. So great, uh, with the lovely Joe Pibus. But what I'm seeing is um, so many women stepping into what they've dreamed about, what they've hoped for, or they've completely just done a 180. I know yep. pivot is the new world, but that's the reality. They've pivoted and sort of gone, you know what? I actually didn't even know that I wanted to do this or I didn't dream about it in my 20s, but I do now. And women are going out there and creating things for themselves. Like for me, WB40 Magazine was a space that was completely ignored in in mainstream media for women in our age bracket. And I will thank you so much, by the way, for being part of the WB40 family and for writing for us. It's very exciting. Um, Yay. Um, But I think there's so many women who are seeing either gaps and being really, really innovative and starting something new, or they're just, they've dreamt about it, like so many women who are writing books, and those books are so authentic and brilliant, and there's there's women out there who are starting companies in their 50s, so this no, or 60s, by the way, I look at, um, honestly, I look at the beautiful Janine Ruddle who started um, Be Oiled. It's an oil company. It's stunning. And, 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 you know, she's proudly in her 60s. And I think there's so many examples of it, of, of completely changing tack, completely changing career. Look at what you're doing, doing these beautiful, you know, life mentoring and coaching in this crone space. Empty nesters um, is a big thing for you, which is what you're writing about in the magazine for us. It is, it is. See, and, and I guess I, I, 
it was one that again was like how niche do you go was it just women over 40 but i've gone no look single empty nesters because why not i mean it's where i'm at single empty nester and you might as well write and 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 impart from where you're standing starting from and it turns out that there are a lot of us out there where we're single uh, either because our partners decide to leave us for a younger woman uh, or man or whatever, uh, or maybe we've been sadly widowed um, or we've left, whatever. But a lot of us find ourselves uh, in, in our mid-age suddenly single, some of us dating, some of us more courageous than me. I, I looked at the online dating space for about two seconds and went, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> another day so here we're, we're you know you've got to know what what's enough for you in the moment and be happy with where you're at so i'm not perfect there yet i haven't <laughs> got all the answers yet so i am not your love guru at this point um for the dating space we'll have to find someone else for that but um <laughs> yeah but a lot of us are finding ourselves yeah the kids have left they've grown up they've left they're out in the world we've done done a great thing there and we're now single and um, not, not partnered and have an opportunity to go wow finally alone and and what do we do with it because some, some unfortunately get to this point and they're not happy about being alone and are looking immediately to fill the void because they haven't had the opportunity to enjoy their own company yeah, yeah very so very true realize that they can again not dissing being in relationship that's great it's it's one way of living but it's not the only way of living and it's not like the epitome of successful living is that you're partnered so i'm actually quite inspired by the journey and what it looks like when you are dating yourself and taking yourself to dinner and solo traveling and doing your stuff and just being open to the flow of people coming in and out of your life, whatever that looks like without having a particular label on what that relationship is. Yeah, I really love that. And I love that you, um, so for WB40, you have written about em empty nests, you know, the empty, I, the empty nest syndrome, if you like. It's um, for women who are partnered or single who suddenly find themselves in that situation. Their children have yeah. left home and then they're like, oh, now, uh, what does this mean for me? A lot yeah. of, and especially for women, I guess, who, as you say, have remained in that I am just the caregiver. And when I say just, yeah. being a caregiver is an extraordinary role, an extraordinary thing to do. But there's a lot of women, I feel, who feel that that is their only sole purpose and their only role. And so, of course, yes. then it's a huge shock to not have children in the home anymore. No, exactly. And as, we've, and, and as we were talking before, like wrap that up that, well, that's the only identity you're allowed to have. And that if you dared to even imagine anything beyond that, um, that, that, that there's something, you know, totally psychopathic about you almost that you dare to imagine oh, there we. <laughs> beyond the caregiving role. Um, and so hence, because... You know, sometimes I will say, oh, well, you just should have been doing other things while you were raising your kids, so you always had your, you had a separate identity. But that's easier said than done for many of us, um, particularly when there is a lot of outside messaging to uh, really make that very difficult at times. 
Um, and either way, even if we are out in the workforce, I mean, which a lot of us are, we're out in the workforce, we're in the home, we're taking care of the partner and the kids and the household and the job, it's still all based on this idea that we have to be taking care of everybody. And um, ageing parents. There's a lot of women now are in the sandwich generation. Oh. So on top of that, they're yeah. taking care of, you know, ageing parents or yeah. relatives. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Some, some of whom that you may not have had the most beautiful relationship with growing up. Um, and so, again, there's a whole lot of uh, shoulds and musts and oughting kind of thinking going on and then guilt when you have some alternate thinking uh, or feeling than what you think you should be doing. Basically, at the end of the day, yes, there's a physical world. People are doing stuff. Again, never want to, to say, when I say that it is our, uh, our feelings about things are coming from the story we're telling about it to ourselves. That's That layer of suffering is how we explain the world we're creating. That's not to say that there isn't a physical world uh, having physical things in it. So if you are in physical harm's way, it is our sole contract to remove ourselves from harm's way so definitely um not saying that there isn't a physical impact of a world out there on us but what often keeps us stuck in physical harm's way is the story that we're telling ourselves that we should be behaving in a certain way showing up in a certain way remaining in that situation because uh, of an expectation that we've been fed by society and that we keep reinforcing to ourselves. I know that's what kept me in my abusive marriages for the length of time that it was that I was in them because I didn't believe that I was allowed to remove myself from them and seek the help to be removed from them. Yeah, and to feel worthy enough if we're worthy, yeah. Of, of, yeah. of a better life, of a safer yeah. life or a freer life or whatever yeah. women need. And I think that, yeah. yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. I think for a lot of women, uh, myself included, and I took, it took a lot of years again for me to sort of think, well, I am worthy. I am worthy yeah. of, you know, as I said, taking care of myself better or to be living my dreams or to going out into business and going, oh, I really want to create something amazing. Um, yeah, and I, I so I think that's true for a lot of women. Pia, I have to say thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you for coming on today because yes, you are absolutely beautiful and amazing. Um, thank you so much, Sandy. That is, oh, gosh, thank you. Thank you for making this whole process easy and fluid and enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I, I just... I'm getting into more of doing this and, and being out there and visible, and thank you for, for helping oh. me do that. I'm so pleased that you are getting out there and being visible because that's what we need. We need more women, you know, 40, 50, 60 and over. We need more women to be visible and to feel worthy enough to be visible. You know, we don't have to be perfect and we don't have to have the right hair and makeup and all of the rubbish that we're taught. What we do need to do is to stand in our own power and be visible and be out in the world and share our wisdom. Absolutely. And our worth has got nothing to do with that story in our head and, and all that. No, our worth is just simply our existence. We are miracles of existence, each and every one of us. And that, that's, that's it. That's enough. That, that, that is where the worth is. 
that we exist. That's it. That's it. Microphone drop. Damn. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. You are. You are. And, and, and everyone out there listening and watching later on, do take care. Thank you. And everyone, we will put in the show notes, I will put links to where you can find beautiful Pia and follow her, where you can buy her extraordinary new book, The Sacred Surrender, and where you can actually seek mentoring and coaching and help from Pia. I'll put all those links up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.